What is the life path of an alien-human hybrid? Do they even exist? In this revealing interview with the co-author of the book, Meet the Hybrids, Miguel Mendoza, you'll also meet someone who gives us an intimate look at his journey to discovering that he is a hybrid, and his name is Robert Fullington. Both have much to impart, not just in their words or even their stories, but in the profound message they have to share. There's much to take away from this chat between the three of us. Once you've listened to this interview, you too may be asking yourself, am I a hybrid? Take a listen. I am delighted to be joined today by not just one, but two exceedingly bright, compassionate, and important individuals. One is the co-author, along with Barbara Lamb, of the book Meet the Hybrids, Miguel Mendoza, and the other is one of the hybrids who was featured in the book, and his name is Rob Fullington. What a special treat to have you both join me for our show today. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Yeah, thank you. Great, Rob and Miguel. Miguel, first, you know, I want to just commend you, uh, not only for an incredibly well-written book, but in covering a subject that to me, and I think a lot of other people, is so vital and so urgent and so consciousness expanding. You and Barbara just did a stellar job in bringing this gem of a book to the world, so we appreciate that. Well, as you know, uh, as well as our audience, I recently interviewed Barbara, speaking of which, last month at her home in Southern California. I have to tell this story. Uh, we, we, of course, talked about the book. And I'll say, incredibly synchronistically, Miguel, <laughs> as I was leaving her home, what do I do? I check my email and who do I hear from? But you, <laughs> asking if I'd be interested in having you on the show to talk about Meet the Hybrids. And I, we just found out yesterday, little did you know at least consciously, that as you were sending me the email, I was sitting down with your co-author. So obviously, my feeling is that you're quite the intuitive individual. And I think you were intuitively guided to write this book. What would you say to that? Well, um, it's been a constant unfolding working on this book with these guys. And um, I guess we'll get into all kinds of different pieces of that but the longer this has gone on the more i am of the opinion that this has all been worked out at a much higher level probably a long time ago um uh rob you and i were talking about this just last week um and i shared with you this sense um that had been kind of growing in me that i'd been uh, sharing with some of the other hybrids. And um, uh, what was your take on that, Rob? Well, uh, I kind of had thought that, you know, it could be possible that our, our consciousness uh, were working together prior to uh, incarnating here on Earth and just kind of, you know, set set things in motion. And then even possible that, uh, you know, with time being kind of... Uh, Uh, an illusion in a sense uh, that our consciousness up there are actually interacting with ourselves here Mm. to orchestrate uh, this kind of stuff to come together. 
I think that that makes a lot of sense. I, I don't know if sense is the right word to use, but it, it, I think a lot of us intuitively or instinctively feel that that's the case. So I'm not surprised to hear you, hear you both say that. That's I think that's amazing. Miguel, you and I spent, what, the better part of probably two hours yesterday. We were going to chat for a couple minutes before today, and mm-hmm. it ended up being a, a beautiful discussion. We spent a lot of time talking about that. And uh, I think we started out, in fact, talking about um, the, the true nature of time. We're talking about time zones, I think, right? <laughs> and how that time was zones. Part of it, yeah. Yeah. And it was also, um, also when we were speaking, I got the same feeling with you that I have with a lot of people that uh, as I've been doing the kind of promotional work um, around the book, the profile raising. Uh, activities, I have been meeting more and more people from all over the world and I just get this sense with so many of you, um, and this particularly came up yesterday, we talked about this a little bit, that there really does seem to be something happening right now, which is drawing people together to do this work as groups, whereas before it feels like it was somewhat more fragmented. And I think with, I mean, this call, this, this situation right now, we are separated by thousands of miles and many hours. And yet technology is allowing us to come together right now. Technology is allowing this conversation to be shared with umpteen thousands of people around the world. And there is, there is a kind of, uh, there is some sort of experience I feel that we are all tapping into. We're all sharing. Um, talking with the hybrids over the course of the last year, we talk about guides a great deal. Um, and there was a fantastic term I got from Christian Kiros, who wrote a study similar to Meet the Hybrids, but she did it 16 years before as her PhD thesis. Mm. And in that, when looking at the way that her work in that began through visitations from ETs um, and all of the hybrids coming together, there was a sense that she had at that point that there was what she called a cosmic choreography at work. And it truly feels like that is what is happening right now. I love that. Cosmic choreography. That is just, I think that is, you know, again, I think what is happening right now is so utterly profound in terms of what you what you've referenced Miguel this coming together and this this shift that we are invariably in the midst of it, it, it oftentimes words will escape you or it's so large it's it's difficult to define but i mm-hmm. think that term cosmic choreography is is perhaps the most apt for sure. Well, you know, I can see we're going to get right into the thick of things immediately. So I'm going to back it up just a little bit, just in case some in our audience may not be understanding what we're talking about. And my audience is pretty astute on these subjects, on the subjects uh, of consciousness, etc. But in the event there's somebody out there that's not understanding completely, when we say hybrid, what are we talking about? Either one of you can or both can jump in. Do you know what? For a change, I'm actually going to hand this immediately over. Uh, Rob, what is your take on that? On what a hybrid is? Oh, boy. 
Well, there's multiple different, uh, <clears throat> uh, I would say there's different hybrids, of course. Uh, first, I'd, I'd say that all of humanity is a hybrid. You know, I believe that uh, an ancient race came here a long time ago and altered the course of humanity by manipulating the DNA of beings that are already here. Uh, but as far as uh, my case, anyways, it's just uh, an added, uh, it's like a little salting, you know, really just a little added extra DNA. So that way my consciousness is able to uh, come in here. Uh, you have what I'd say uh, physical hybrids, which would be myself, where my my uh, body was actually has been changed a little, altered a little bit. And then I have you have an energetic hybrid where it's just an energetic DNA that's added on to uh, the body and then where uh, and then <clears throat> and then a hybridization where uh, you have because of the lifestyles that you, you've chosen you know say you've chosen to take it in a sacred spiritual path I believe that that also has a tendency to change your DNA as well mm-hmm. so uh, that's basically my, my take on the that's, that's an interesting take, because again, for those that have heard the term in this context, they may immediately jump to the conclusion that when we say hybrid, we're talking about a f- physical characteristics, and then from there, but you're talking about hybridization, if you will, on many levels. And, you know, as you're describing this, Rob, it, it, it occurs to me that perhaps uh, becoming or, or being a hybrid can happen at various intervals in one's life. I mean, when I was sitting down to talk to Barbara, she gave a couple of references of of those of you that were featured in the book who, um, in some cases, were, it was at the point of conception. In some cases, it was before conception. And in some cases, it was well after. So it Mm -hmm. seems like um, it's almost like a morphing into a hybrid. type of thing, which I find quite interesting. So audience, you can only imagine how vast this subject is, um, and how many different directions we can go in. But you know, what? I want to go back to you, Miguel, for a moment, because I have plenty of questions for Rob. So I, but I want I want the audience to get a good feel for um, this brilliant writer. I just think he is amazing. This book is amazing. You wrote it so well. Um, your journey. Uh, and there is, in fact, a chapter in the book that talks about your journey. But I want to I want to draw on a couple of points, um, one of which was a UFO sighting that you had in 2009. Would you mm-hmm. say that was the impetus for all that has come afterward? It's it was a really important aspect. Um, funnily enough, Rob, um, one, of the, one of the first things that we found we had in common was that he had his first major sighting the same year. And I actually heard that from a few people in the course of the last year, that they had major sightings in 2009, which kind of set them on this path. So that itself, I think, is is of interest. I mean, if you think of how many UFO reports there are daily, um, I was transcribing an interview with Stanton Friedman for my new book this afternoon, and he quoted a MUFON figure of between 500 and 1,100 uh, sightings logged per month. Hmm. Um, I think that's just in the United States. So it could all be coincidental. But um, we happened to be, my girlfriend Louise and I were sky, sky watching, uh, stargazing, um, I guess probably around midnight, one August night. Um, just the two of us were in uh, Graciosa Island, the second smallest of the Azorian Islands in the Mid-Atlantic, 
watching satellites, shooting stars for like two weeks. So this was a, towards the end of the holiday. And we see a light going over and um, then it starts to get brighter and brighter and brighter and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and it, was, it was just the weirdest thing. Uh, Louise said exactly what I was thinking. My God, it's like it's looking at us. Mm-hmm. It looked like the thing, like if you imagine a torch tracking across the sky and then turning towards us, you know, it would just get larger and brighter. And it really was like this thing was eyeballing us. Like there was a connection of consciousness. There was an awareness of awareness. And then um, it kind of shrank back down to normal size. And I thought, damn it, all my life, all my life, I've been waiting for that absolute knockout UFO sighting. And I thought I had it. And now, you know, and now it's just going to turn out to be some mundane thing. And... As I'm thinking that, the thing starts to expand again and, and get really bright, really big. And, uh, and then I just had this feeling like, oh, my God, here it comes. And suddenly this thing goes, Phew. I mean, this streak of light across the heavens, like must have been hundreds or thousands of miles long or something. It was incredible. Exactly like the Star Trek Enterprise going to warp. Isn't that something? That's what it looked like. And I thought, well, okay, that's a spaceship. That is not art- that is artificial. Nature does not behave in that way. Otherwise, I would not have got to that age without hearing about it because I was always interested, always, always, always interested. For some reason, I just, from when I was as young as I can remember, I had an awareness of ETs. Um, and it's an idea that... I don't know. I felt good about it. I felt fascinated by it. I wanted to meet these guys because I felt like I could, they could make sense to me and I could make sense to them that they weren't like humans. They weren't crazy <laughs> like the people down here. I mean, turn on the news, people are crazy. You know, drive around the city, uh, people are crazy. Um, there just is... From a very, very early age, I just had this sense that, um, that, that nothing here really made any sense. Human behavior just made no sense to me. So I spent the rest of my life trying to work it out, trying to understand it. And what is of great interest to me, and one of the things I really want to get across to readers and listeners, is that by... The hybrids coming forward at this time and sharing, I think, extremely bravely their experiences, their understandings, their processes, they have given me, over the course of time, experiences which have opened me up to re-examining all kinds of different pieces of my life. Mm -hmm. And I have been kind of testing out different bits of that and seeing how it feels and what kind of sense it makes. And when I was speaking with Juju... Um, Tell the audience who Juju is for, for those uh, who don't know. Uh, another, uh, yeah, another one of the hybrids, uh, Jojali Kuta, uh, a lady just, uh, I think, a year or so older than myself, uh, based in Arizona. Her and Rob were both uh, speaking with Barbara at the UFO Congress 
Um, and uh, I was t somehow she seems to have been really central to my awakening, my unfolding. And um, Rob is also a part of that because it was kind of within 24 hours of Rob telling me that he kind of tends to act as an activator for people mm -hmm. that I started to feel this kind of activation that I started to get this crazy kind of energetic reaction when talking with any of the hybrids, it would, I would just feel like I just had a double espresso or something. I just felt so charged with energy and I have a chronic health issue um, which means I am in a very low energy state almost all the time, extreme problems with fatigue. Um, also means I can't have caffeine, stimulants, sugar, anything like that. So there's nothing essentially to mask the reaction I'm having to these guys. Mm -hmm. And the shift in my energy is crazy, mm -hmm. crazy. Um, and I was talking to Juju about all of these different things that have been happening, the fact that I was starting to visualize energy my energy other people's energy i mean there's a string of experiences i've had yeah. and in that in that conversation i said look i'm starting to really wonder about myself i mean all this has given me a framework which i never had before you know you, if you have no framework into which you can place an experience or set of experiences, what do you do? You file them as miscellaneous. Mm -hmm. You don't know what that is. That's right. But when connecting with these guys, understanding their stories, their journeys, that framework now exists. So I had this conversation with Juju, and I said, well, have you any sense of what I might be in, that isn't necessarily a regular human Um and she said, well, the most important thing to understand is that you already know. Mm -hmm. It's already in you. You can ask the beings to, uh, your guides, your star family, as you're falling asleep, you can ask them for a word or an image that you can be allowed to remember, which will help you to understand. And, um, and so I said, okay, um, you know, I'll take that. And I started to explain a little bit about some of the different pieces um, of my life, um, my sense of things, things that had opened up throughout, you know, from childhood, you know, particularly in the last year. Uh, and as I was talking about this, the strangest, the strangest thing happened. I suddenly felt like I'd been unplugged. And a moment later... I felt like somebody was using my mouth as a loudspeaker. Hmm. And this line came out, I have the soul of a wanderer. Really? I have the and soul thought, of a wanderer. Mm -hmm. And I thought, and it came with this kind of, oh, this, this, like a rumble of thunder in my, in my solar plexus. You know, what I come to call the truth center. As I've had a, numerous experiences in my life that have, come with that same resonance in my in my sternum and it tells me I'm in the presence of a really important truth. So I thought, well, hmm, what's a wonder? So I went to look that up, did some research, and I started to read Carla Rukert's book on the subject, and I found that basically people were describing my life 
over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. The way I relate to things, and then there's this kind of questionnaire in there, marks out of, marking out of 100, um, and 75 and above in Carla Rukert's opinion, you have an ET soul. And I scored 85. And so, you know, at that point, you think, well, hmm. Um, and then, you know, I've been told by Juju that, um, you know, if you ask for things, you'll be given them. Um, when it comes to this subject, whenever you open yourself up, the beings will get it. Your star family will get it and they will give you more when they know you're ready for it. They will give you more. Mm -hmm. And so... Just two days ago, you and I were talking about this. Um, I I had my first experience of missing time. Yes, sure that. 25, 25 minutes just. Um, I had arranged a, a conversation for 2 p.m. So I thought, okay, perfect. If I go for a ride now, because it's always an hour, I'll be back in plenty of time. I'll be back by 20 to 2 at the latest. So I'll go out, have my ride, I get back. Um, Skype's ringing, and I look at the clock, and it's six minutes past two. And this makes no sense, absolutely no sense. And as I'm stood there in my kitchen trying to rewind and figure out how I lost 25 minutes, um, suddenly two words appeared in my mind, missing time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what do you do? You know, the... The thing that one does is call Cynthia Crawford. She is the kind of uh, godmother, um, I guess, of you know hybrids and star seeds. She's an extraordinary person. I mean, just extraordinary and wonderful, and and we all adore her. And uh, so I just you know hit her up on Skype, and um, we hadn't we hadn't talked for ages. And uh, she was like, "Oh, how are you, sweetie?" and I said, well, uh, slightly weirded out. I think I just had my first missing time. And uh, so we went into that. And Cynthia um, typifies, I think, the hybrids in that she has a very strong sense of mission here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things that is absolutely central to the whole uh, hybrid uh, phenomenon, in my view. Um, And maybe... Rob, you want to pick that up a bit? I was going to ask. Let's, this is great. You've laid such a great fa- uh, uh, framework, Miguel, and now I want Rob to go into, because I know, Rob, that you have made references to that uh, utter sense of mission um, in your story. So I'd love for you to maybe pick it up from there. But before we, you do that, Rob, I want to ask you, you know, as I don't know, were you familiar that Miguel had recently had this sort of anomalous missing time episode? No, no, I wasn't. So yeah, it's news for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we just found out. I guess it was just a couple of days ago. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that um, in terms of your experiences in that regard, if you've had any, or how just how you feel about that. Now we're we're talking about the true nature of reality and uh, how we view reality versus how it really may be from your perspective as a hybrid. How does that look to you, or not? Oh, gee. <laughs> well, as far as as far as Miguel's uh, uh, experience goes, you know, uh, I've kind of like I've never had a missing time incident, incident before that I'm aware of, anyways. Uh, 
you know, and I, I believe that this happens sometimes because, you know, we're stepping outside of our, our dimension and our reality sometimes in the physical body. And when that happens, you know, when we come back, uh, it's almost like the, our, our, the way our brains are kind of wired that, um, when we come back from an experience like that, we don't have the, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't even know how to say this is, uh, we don't have the capabilities of remembering such a transition when we go from, uh, let's say, uh, a 3D to like a 5 or 4D or whatever it is you went into. When you come back, it's like it's like a dream, you know, because your brain waves totally change when you when you when this happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my, I've I've had so many experiences, you know. I've it was it's wild that I did the awakening too at the same time as Miguel in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, before that, I really had no idea at all that I was connected to anything. You know, I was just living my life as, as a normal person, but looking back, you know, I was, I was far from normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a weird, I was a weird one. Uh, but yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it was a, it was a, it was a spaceship that, you know, woke, woke me up, you know, along with my wife. It was just, Wow. You know, crazy, crazy experience. Mm. Uh, if you want me to go into. You yeah, know, that, well, you know, I, I do. I do. But, you know, I've got to just interject this as I listen to uh, not just Miguel and, and now yours, but the, the dozens and dozens of stories that many of us have heard about these so-called sightings. And I, I think some people will sell the experience short by not really getting into uh, the consciousness factor that, you know, mm-hmm. these are not just physical sightings. In fact, who knows? They may not be physical at all. I, I've often wondered whether there's a holographic reality. I wondered why is it that some people will see. I've talked to people personally that have had sightings um, in an open space where there were other people and they saw the craft, but the other individuals did not. So again, I, I think I. it's very, very curious to me that um, that consciousness and the what whatever we're looking at um, as a craft is more than just a craft that it is conscious and it is telepathic, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and and it has the ability to uh, remember or have you remember it. When I say remember, I always pause because we're talking about joining that membership again, rejoining that membership. So again, I just I I don't know if I was clear oh, there, yeah. but yeah, sighting oh, yeah. is no, more than a sighting. Hmm. It, it totally is and there's multiple uh, there's multiple variations uh, at work here you know uh, you can you can say uh, well first there's uh, familiar with uh, I believe it's called the shaman paradox you know where you know the shaman back in the before Columbus came over goes out to the beach and sees the ships coming uh, yes. you know the wooden ships coming in yes and he tries mm-hmm. to tell the people hey there's ships out there but they they don't have any kind of reference for what it ship is so when they look out there they they only see rocks you know so i think that happens a lot of the time because people uh, don't have a reference for what a ufo actually is so if they were mm. looking at it you know they're not going to see a craft uh, another is the uh, it's it's multi-dimensional so if some people have the ability to see on a multi-dimensional level where others don't so much have this ability developed yet so in that sense, they would see the energetic version of the craft, and not 
and, and the other people person just won't see it at all, you know. Mm-hmm. So I've had this happen to, uh, plenty of times with people. Oh, I can see the there's a, like a being standing behind you, and the other, another person say, "No, there's nobody. There. There's nothing there." So it's multi it's multi layered, really. Agreed. Agreed. And it depends on the individual, really, on on what it is they're going to experience. Mm-hmm. Well, I you know I, I'm sure the audience at some point will be chomping at the bit. I don't know that we've actually gotten into the nuts and bolts of this yet, Rob. In terms of how did you, when did you have that aha moment, that epiphany that said, "Oh my gosh, I am a hybrid." And I know you referenced that in the book, and you kind of went through layers of. Oh my gosh, there really are ETs, and oh my gosh, yeah. I might be one. Yeah. You know, I love yeah, the like, way you put that. Tell us that story. <clears throat> well, like I said, you know, I, you know, I, growing up, no idea, no idea. I was always interested in the ET phenomenon, but I never really gave much to it. In fact, I would have, you know, uh, what about ten, maybe twelve years ago, I would have called myself crazy <laughs> listening to myself. You know, like that guy's a is a nut. But well, so what happens is, you know. Uh, there's a, there's an interest at first, uh, you know, what happened to me was this randomly at my work, this, this guy just comes up to me and hands me a piece of paper with some, uh, conspiracy theories written on them. And, you know, kind of just said, here, check this out, smiled and walked off. And I thought, oh, that, you know, that was odd. So <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't until a while I started looking at the uh, the paper and looking up into uh, UFOs and other things, and I realized, oh my goodness, there's there's something going on here. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, I better start looking into this. So I start researching the subject more, and then you know, this all happened in 2009, and then in uh, 4th of July 2009, uh, my wife and I had our first uh, UFO experience. It was just something real quick. No, it was just a satellite and watching a fireworks show at my parents' house. And you, they had a big illegal fireworks show. And oh my goodness, it's, it's, it's awesome. But I see this little, <laughs> I see this little satellite, you know, in the sky. And I remember, you know, just pro- trying to project a thought. I just imagine a, a light beam coming out from my center of my forehead and touching the satellite and saying, okay, okay, if you're something, move left, move right. And I just give me a little something. And it just flies, flies off, and it, no, no, nothing happened. Well, it wasn't until about three o'clock in the morning, uh, my wife and I got up to like, you know, I was smoking cigarettes at the time. I said, oh, let's go have a smoke before we go to bed. And the fireworks were all, all said and done. And I see the satellite again, and then, but next thing I know, that satellite is, you know, probably about like fifty yards away from us, just hovering over the neighbor's house, mm-hmm. and. Uh, <clears throat> It was just this glowing golden disc, and uh, when we look at it, it its light turns off, but you can still just barely see it. And then when we looked away, it would start moving as we're walking. It'd start moving with us, and then you'd look at it, it stop and turn off. And then uh, when you look away, it'd start glowing again. It played this little game with us for a minute, and the next thing you know, boom! It goes off into space and it turns into the satellite again. We're like, oh, geez, what was that? You know, so at that, yeah, at that point, you know, it, it was like, okay, maybe I saw something, but was it a helicopter, you know, was it fireworks or, you know, what was it? So it, that just made me because after that, I started having some extremely unique experiences, mm. to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, just going to bed and waking up and being on board a, a craft. And, you know, I, it, you would think you know, it's, it's the difference between a, uh, an experience and a dream, you know, as in a dream, it's kind of abstract. But when the, I have these experiences, you know, there's touch and, and smell and uh, taste and I get all the senses going. So I was able to tell the difference. And and then in 2009, uh, December, December 19th, no, sorry, December 20th, 2009 mm-hmm. is when our, what I call the, our awakening craft uh, came through. And that just really blew that blew my mind wide open. So at that so at this point, I'm like, okay, there's something going on with ET. I just saw something, and some weird things are starting to happen to me. And then we have in 2009, in December 2009, uh, my wife and I uh, hanging out at her, hanging out the house, and uh, all of a sudden, I tried to make a phone call, and the phones weren't working. And she tries to make a phone call, still no no phone. Oh, okay, let's go outside. And I look out into the sky, and there's this blue, this neon blue light in the sky. It looks like a, it looked like a bar, and then with a smaller neon blue bar in front of it, starts dancing around us for, you know, doing just the most amazing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, at one point, the craft flew, you know, right over us, low enough so I could have thrown a baseball and hit the thing. Mm. Oh, wow. It was like this black. It was like this, yeah, I know, it's like this black triangle, like, makes a dark purple triangle crystal, you know, with with these little tiny pyramids shoved up inside of it. And on the tip of these pyramids was the best I can describe would be a, a miniature black hole with blue plasma circling around it. So, yeah, and the, the, ship, the ship's interacting, yeah, the, the, sorry, the black holes are on the ship are like interacting with each other and it's like floating on this blue plasma. It scanned us, you know, uh, every time I tried to take a picture of it, the camera would go from, you know, battery power from a hundred percent to zero. Hmm. Finally, my wife got a, got a shot off. It flat, the the flash goes off. The ship turns around, starts flashing us. But, uh, you know, in the picture, you can see, uh, this two orb, a being was manifesting in front of us, oh and then another being, and then another orb was going back to the ship. So when we got the picture, the beings went back to the ship, and then the ship started interacting with us. Uh, I was like, I was thinking, oh my, my God, I need to uh, get somebody else to see this. So I'm, I'm pounding right. on the door of the neighbors, and I can hear the neighbor doing dishes, but they were, I mean, nobody was coming out. I mean, I was pounding, so it was like they couldn't even hear me. Uh-huh. Well, I finally got the phone working and i called my parents while i'm seeing this ship you know interacting with us and i'm just like screaming at the top of my lungs oh my god you're not gonna freaking believe what i'm seeing right now and my parents are like oh my god go inside (laughs) (laughs) wow that is just absolutely yeah yeah eventually this ship takes off when it's an overcast sky because where (laughs) i live it's commonly overcast and it blows up burns a about a couple mile in diameter hole into the sky so you can see the stars yeah, i hear by the way i hear your wife and in a minute i'm going to tell her just join the show <laughs> oh, no. uh, yeah. <laughs> she needs to come on she's got a lot to add so, oh yeah big time yeah come, so, come uh, say hi you know, and then uh and then a uh uh you know a couple minutes later this f-16 
comes the flying in, you know, under radar with no uh, no collision lights on. You can see the missiles on it, and that's what's that yeah, that scared us. That scared us so bad. It's like, mm. oh my god, why is this? Why are they going after that thing? There's, yeah. I mean, the technology was so far more advanced than anything that I've ever seen before. And Rob, you know, and I've seen all. I'm sorry. Tell us again yeah, but, where this was taking place. This was in Monterey, well, Salinas, California. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. So, Let's make note of that. I'm wondering if there there's been traditionally a lot of activity in that particular area, particularly uh, if it was being tailed. What well, we've done, uh, yeah, all of our, all of our experiences. <laughs> have been there. I mean, uh, that was all documented. yeah, it's all been documented. Uh, that experience, because see, uh, I, that just blew both of our minds. We're like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, we saw a spaceship. Yeah, interesting. uh, Well, you know, so yeah, it's real. uh, This is fabulous. Listen, I want to move it along because we only have about, oh, 20, 25 minutes left. Mm. Again, what I think both you, Rob, and you, Miguel, are confirming to us is that, again, a sighting is not just a sighting, it's not just a UFO. There is a story around this. I mean, look at the the chronology of you're having this sighting or sightings, maybe, and then uh, the the strange, uh, the high strangeness that occurred after that. I want, um, and I'm talking about your being on craft and, and, uh, and taking it from there. Where, what happened after that? If you can just, if we're, I'm going to have you kind of cut to the chase. And when did you well, have yeah. that epiphany? Yeah. This my is first me. Time he- yeah, my first time meeting a mantis being in it manifested in 3D reality. That was the first. That was my first time. Uh, big, the big like, oh yes, uh, I'm definitely a part of this uh, being. And it, it, I can't. It's hard to describe, but the experience was. Um, uh, I was I was desperate trying to find help, you know. And I, I went to the MUFON and I went to, you know, UFO reporter reportings and. It was all investigated, but I needed I needed some serious help. Uh, so it wasn't until I found Cynthia Crawford's mm-hmm. uh, uh, YouTube video. On, I think she did something like a on Project Camelot, and well, she brings out the statue of a mantis being uh, in the video. And I remember thinking, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Why is this being so familiar to me?" It just felt like just the image of the mantis being was. Oh, there, there's I know this being. So I got onto her website. And looked at the picture of the mantis being uh, for a statue, and I stared at it for a good hour. Hmm. And uh, it wasn't until later that night, going to bed, I, I heard a voice in my head, and the voice said, "I don't like that very much." Uh, okay, well, I, I guess I don't like it very much. But what is it that I don't like? And I used to keep a, just a little hatchet on the side of the bed, you know, uh, Mister a tough husband. You got to keep the hatchet to protect for intruders, you know, but for some reason, I, the voice was like, I don't like that. So I, okay. So I picked it up and I put it in the drawer and you know, my wife says, well, what are you doing? And I said, I, I'm just getting ready to go to bed. And the voice says, I still don't like it, but I'm not going to make you go outside because it's cold. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then at that moment I was like, Oh my goodness. I'm like, if you're going to come visit me, don't wake up my wife. Cause you're going to, you're going to scare. Her. Uh, so I go to bed, I wake up, and I see this, the room just illuminated with this golden light. And at the foot of the bed was this, I would say about, about six and a half foot tall, seven foot mantis being. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember seeing, uh, I remember seeing it's not like your ones 
would that look like a praying mantis? Because it, it doesn't have uh, an exoskeleton. It's got skin and but real wrinkly arm, a forearm, big wrinkly forearms, and a little bit of a pot belly. I can see its folds and its in its gut. And it bowed to me, and I remember thinking, why would why is this being bowing to me? And all of a sudden, it was like, oh my goodness, this is I'm 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 uh, I'm connected to this being and in a way in an unfathomable way and i remember this feeling of just complete joy and reunion come over me mm-hmm. and uh i just my body started uncontrollably laughing uh, like like oh my god finally i just connected with something that uh that i've been missing for a very 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 long time and uh the being put its finger out and touched me in the forehead and i fell asleep so that was the moment where I realized I, I was intimate, intimately connected to these be, to these uh, beings. Mm-hmm. Well, that is just something spectacular, and and yet I don't know that this is entirely unique, Rob. I am hearing this over and over again <laughs> for those who have had, you know, we're using the term hybrid a bit loosely, but let's just say non-human interaction. Um, to varying degrees, all the way to actually being of uh, this uh, the particular species. And I hear over and over again that with the mantis, or in some cases are called mantid beings, <clears throat> that there is this uh, this sustained sense of love and and care and compassion and connection between and in some cases I hear that the beings depending on I'm, I'm sure there are variations of the mantis beings um, some of them are downright frightening looking and some maybe yeah. let to a lesser degree but even in the case of the ones that are looking extraordinarily intimidating uh, once the individual that's experiencing it gets you know accustomed to the fact that this is a being it's real and it's in front of me there's this overwhelming sense of love and compassion and connection that comes through so you're somewhat corroborating other stories that we've heard um you know you talk about so so invariably i know in the book that you say that you are as you've looked further into this that you are uh have a part of the uh the mantis um component in you but there are other et components to your makeup that you've discovered what are they well, I do. I do know that they're definitely the the mantis being. There's also. Oh yeah, yeah. There's also the. Um, uh, I do believe there's a reptilian aspect uh, there, uh, a Syrian a- aspect, and the uh, just human, of course, mm-hmm. mostly mostly human. So that's that's the ones I know. We know one of the things like um, that kind of. A physical that I have is my my I have these double jointed wrist where I'm able to, you know, it looks just like a mantis. You know, I can touch my own forearms with my fingers, uh, just like a mantis would, and fold my wrist completely down in in half. It's it's odd. It's odd. <laughs> wow. So obviously, th- this all kind of came to to your uh, well. I, you had an aha moment, let's just say, because you obviously had this yeah. feature about you ever since you were born, I would imagine, right? But never oh, knew yeah. why. And then, yeah. Are there ever moments that you're frightened? Or, or I wouldn't say now, uh, but oh. in the beginning that you're frightened oh, about? My yeah, I was terrified in the beginning, you know, because, uh, you know, there's there's a point where I, 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 after that first craft, we had a second craft. 
and I, my consciousness still wasn't, um, you know, I guess adjusted yet. So I was like, Oh my goodness, I'm being targeted by ET. So I was like, Oh geez, I, I felt really small, you know, and first and, and just a complete breakdown of everything I thought I knew just fell away. And I had to like rebuild myself up. And there was a lot of fear in the beginning until, you know, I realized that, Oh, Hey, this is, this is not scary at all. This is actually extremely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you, so you, yeah, I do understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there are many gradations, many emotions and, and, and phases to your, to this unveiling for you. And I know in the book that you also talk about um, how you have used what I would call not the emotion of love, but the frequency of love as oh, yeah. sort of a conduit or a mechanism by which to transcend all of the ugly that's going on in this planet, which we're all <laughs> acutely aware of. Talk oh, about that yeah. a little bit. How are you using oh, yeah. love as an energy? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I had to do it because uh, I, I, I was, I got really sick. You know, I went from like 210 pounds to 120 pounds hmm. and I couldn't figure out, you know, the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And I was essentially, I was dying. Hmm. And uh, I had to figure out a way to heal myself because uh, the med, the medical, you know, the Western medicine just was not working, and it was only going to be a matter of time before I passed away. Uh, so I was researching, you know, the, the power of using love uh, as for a healing mechanism. So what I just started doing is, I just started. Uh, remembering just joyful moments in my life that brought me the sensation of love, you know, because love has a physical feeling to it in mm-hmm. your heart. Yes, it does. So what I, so what I started doing, I just started breathing in and just imagining this feeling of love in my body and just in my, let it radiate within my heart. And then I just imagined this feeling of, of joy and love radiating all throughout my entire body. And then I just, you know, went on from there and just tried to become just this loving uh, beacon of light, you know, just, just, just at first just to heal myself. And then I found out that it started not only healing me, but it also started like healing others around me. Hmm. I'm, I'm pausing because I want to hear more. I think that's, you know, we, we hear so many stories now. Thank goodness. I, I just am so one of the good news to come out uh, in this day and age is the alternative news in, in this regard and, and the, the work particularly I've spoken so much about the Institute of Heart Math and what they've been uh, looking at in terms of the scientific uh, evidence to show that there's an intelligence uh, and literally a frequency that is associated with the heart and love is indeed um, sort of that carrier wave, if you will, that allows for so many miraculous things to happen like heal. I, I think that's just super amazing. And I, I suppose if you were to even take, let's say, uh, like curling in photography, for instance, where <clears throat> the aura has actually been filmed, I bet you you could see what the frequency of love looked like. Don't you think? Oh, I bet you could. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Miguel, no. are you there? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear your way in on that. I, I think that's great. And again, you and I spoke a little bit about that yesterday as well, the, the frequency of, of all of this um, and and what these hybrids are here to do. And that is to transcend to, to a large extent the ugly, the negative, the um, the polarity that's not really a polarity. Maybe we can talk about that. 
Do you know what I'm talking about in the book? And Barbara and I talked about this, this as well, that the hybrids that you interviewed spoke very candidly about the idea of separation or polarity, uh, up and down, right and wrong, bad and good, being really kind of an illusion, um, that it's all kind of one continuum. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's one of those things that um, is incredibly complex. Um, when we are when we're in discussions about the kind of mission here and really getting into the the true nature of reality, um, you could get <clears throat> uh, some people with the view that um, you know this is about. Uh, this is about kind of shifting consciousness. This is about uh, bringing everybody along with us and kind of um, helping to kind of sort humanity out. Um, but the uh, the overwhelming sense that I got from people was that that is not really what the score is, that it's not necessarily loving to try and drag people kicking and screaming into a world of love and oneness. Mm-hmm. You know? um, people have their own journey. Right. We can have an influence on that. Um, we can do our best to put positivity into this world to help people to uh, evolve themselves, but there is a limit. Not, not everybody can and will and is ready to um, I think Juju, was it Juju? Was it somebody else? Um, said that um, people who don't make it, who don't evolve in time for when the Earth itself shifts its frequency, um, they will find themselves reincarnating on another 3D world to continue to work through that 3D stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Rob had a different understanding of things. Um, which is, well, uh, Rob, you'd be the best person to uh, talk about that. Please. Oh, me? No, no, not at all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, you know what, kind of, it's kind of like a, in the end, it's all just, the whole thing is just experience, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've kind of come to where now there there really isn't any no good there isn't good there isn't bad i don't really separate it uh, so much anymore all it is is just experience and how i want to experience this reality that i'm creating for myself and how do i want others to uh within my reality to experience me in the end uh and i just see it as is an opportunity to to learn and to to move our consciousness forward uh you know that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Yeah, I. It's just it's all just opportunities to learn, you absolutely. know, and for new experience. I tend to agree with you, Rob, and I've got to tell you, you know, we're going to have to talk offline about some of this stuff because we can go off on tangents on all of them. But in terms of the idea of uh, polarity, the, the up, the down, the good, the bad, the sick, the healthy, the good, the evil. I remember back in school days when I was reading Shakespeare, I believe it was Shakespeare, um, and 
there was a quote that may have come from Hamlet that I'll never forget, and somehow it resonated with me, and I may botch it a little bit, but in essence, it says, there is nothing good nor bad, but thinking makes it so. And I heard that when I was probably in high school, and I thought to myself, I agree, meaning it is only our thought on the thing that makes it its opposite or distinct. In other words, all things are experienced. I agree completely. This is something that has sort of came over me many, many years ago. And that's not to say that we condone acts, purposeful acts of evil or malevolent intention, etc. But when we step back and look from sort of a 60,000 or above foot view, we understand that all of it is experience. And we're all sort of characters in this play. Some of us are going to play very, very ugly roles or perceived, we think, and some the opposite. So that's part of the 3D uh, playing field. But yes, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, there's something I'll throw in there, which is that I found some of the uh, the kind of, we could call it more evolved thinking, um, more complex thinking around, um, yeah, I'd say it has moral and ethical implications um, because my background is uh, environmentalism as a campaigner on sustainability, renewable energy. Um, you know, we were at war, really, for the future of this planet, trying to get people to understand exactly how late in the day things truly are. And from that perspective, I saw... One of the reasons I wanted to um, get involved in, in this project was because I saw the hybrids as being perhaps one of the keys to open human consciousness, to help humanity to see itself as one, and by extension to see itself as one with everything else. I think that is one of the central kind of mantras of the whole hybrid project. I mean, if you, if you read through everybody's chapters at some point, there is some kind of reference um, to oneness, to love, to connection. Um, and in a sense, those things are very traditional. They're not that outlandish at all. Um, but there is there is an attachment that I have to wanting life to continue in the way that it has done for millennia on this planet. Um, and over the course of time, um, I was having a conversation with um, somebody who uh, is also acquainted with all the hybrids. And she was saying, well, look, planets come and go. You know, um, that's, that's what really stayed with me. And that helped me to kind of, ex I experienced a, a range of emotions at that moment, which made me realize that the feeling I have about this planet is love. I'm in love with this planet. And sometimes love can give you, we were talking about polarities and perspectives and things of that sort, subjectivity. And, yeah, um, it gave me a certain perspective on this planet, and it made me realize that, you know, wherever it may be that I'm from as a soul, 
I am in love with this place. And I, when we're in love with things, we're in love with the way that they are mm -hmm. generally. I mean, some people are in love with uh, an idealized form. Um, and maybe that's, I'm just thinking about this now, maybe that is what is going on with me. I'm in love with an idealized form of this planet. Maybe I'm in love with an idealized form of humanity. And that idealized form is one that is awake, that, that shares that sense um, of that many, many people have, that they are also in love with this planet. There is an enormous love component in this world. And it seems to me that the, the whole hybrid uh, phenomenon, this thing that we are kind of unwrapping and making our way into, working with, trying to understand, I feel that so much of that is about love, whereas we can't ignore um, the work of David Jacobs, who has... Um, through the course of his research, come to an understanding that this is far from a loving phenomenon, that this is actually about uh, greys creating hybrids which have uh, very pronounced um, psychic ability who are able to uh, control humanity through that mechanism. And um, in the course of the, uh, putting the book together, um, analysing his work, um, looking at our work, our, our evolving conclusions, Christiane Kiros's conclusions, um, uh, John Max, uh, Michael Sallers, um, looking at some of the... Basically, I did a kind of literature review of the writing on the hybrid subject, and the conclusion I reached is that probably all of the above is true. That That's I think... All of these things are playing out here. Now, Rob could tell you in some detail, for example, about the differences. Like you, people might think the mantis beings are all one type. Right. Um, but Rob would be able to tell you something of the different types of mantis beings um, that he's aware of. Yeah. But unfortunately, it won't be today because we're out of time. We are out of time. But you know what that means? <laughs> I, I think I'm going to have so many part two interviews coming up. It's going to be crazy. But Rob, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. How would you like to come back and tell us about all the different species and, and, and really give this a proper treatment? Because we did not have enough time to really delve into it. I'd love to have you back. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I, oh, yeah. yeah. We're oh, going yeah. to have to. I can go on for Ever. I know you can, and I'm gonna. We're <laughs> gonna say our our, our uh, official goodbye in a moment, but I'm I'm not gonna have you hang up because I want you to tell me what the deal is, Miguel. I want to just uh, add, oh, add yeah. a little uh, commendation for how articulate you have been, not only in sharing your journey, but in in really distilling what so many others ha will spend the rest of their lives trying to understand. You have such a beautiful articulate way in and in, in really just breaking this down and unpacking um what what seems elusive to so many but is so important so integral to all of our journeys i i salute you for your for your absolute gift in that regard 
Um, well, it's a work in progress. Let's call it that. <laughs> well, I think you're in the, you're headed in the right direction. And speaking of which, you're definitely headed in the right direction. You and Barbara do again a stellar job on meet the hybrids, the lives and missions of ET ambassadors on Earth. So again, I want to thank both you, Miguel Mendonca, Rob Fullington, who is coming back for a part two, maybe even three or four. And uh, Miguel, tell us where we can learn more about your work and where we can get your book. Um, well, we uh, set up a website um, in support of the uh, book, uh, which is meetthehybrids.wordpress.com. And on there we have, uh, each of the hybrids has uh, their own page uh, with uh, information about them on there, as well as a contact form. So people listening to this, people reading the book, if they want to learn more, and have you know respectful, positive inquiries. They can email any of the hybrids through the contact form on each hybrid's uh, web page within the site, and uh, there's some other resources in there and sort of brief uh, you know articles and a list of sort of forthcoming events and uh, things of that sort. And if people want to get hold of me, they can uh, email me through the main contact form. Um, happy to talk. Excellent. Oh, I'm sure people are going to be uh, wanting to go there. We'll make sure to have that linked up to uh, to the show. By the way, I want to remind everybody, guess what? We're back on iTunes. So there is no excuse. You can listen to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on Stitcher. You can listen to us through YouTube. You can listen to us anywhere. And I know you're going to want to tune in to this interview again, because I think there's a lot to contemplate here. Again, um, Miguel and Rob want to thank you so much for all that you're doing. Let's continue. Onward we shall go. Thanks to both of you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Is there a cosmic choreography at work on the planet right now? And if so, are there human ET hybrids who are orchestrating the shift to a higher consciousness? I think these are questions worthy of exploring. Might you be a hybrid? Just recently, when I spoke with Miguel's co-author, Barbara Lamb, she didn't hesitate to say that there could be many walking this earth right now that may be hybrids and not even know it. Regardless of who you think you may be, you too are a part of this beautiful orchestration we call consciousness. Thank you for doing all that you do, and as always, for tuning in to Higher Journeys Radio. Until next time, I'm your host, Alexis Brooks.